Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Come on, give him a hand clap of praise this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Any of you have ever faced a mountain? Any of you ever faced a mountain and discovered that God is higher than your mountain? Amen. Well, the same God that's higher than the mountain is still higher than the valley. How many of you have been through some valleys? He's still there with us in the valley too, amen? So I'm thankful this morning that we can trust him. Well, y'all are in trouble. I haven't preached in five weeks, and so my youngest son is running uh, lyrics this morning, and when I handed him my notes, he said, 10 pages? What's wrong with you? Because I normally have about six, so buckle up. T touch your neighbor and say, buckle up right now, because, uh, yeah. <clears throat> hey, we got lunch here, so you got nowhere to go. Don't have to worry about it, so... I just figured we'll just stay all day. I mean, you, we, yeah, I set you up. I provided food to keep you around. This is my one chance in 11 weeks. So um, I'm supposed to be on sabbatical. And he asked me that too. He said, I didn't think you were supposed to preach. You're supposed to be on sabbatical. But uh, <laughs> felt like the Lord worked it out this way because I want to share a word with you that I feel like the Lord has given us specifically for this body. I'm not going to preach to the world today and not going to preach about all the other churches today. I just want to talk about ours, uh, our family. And I believe that uh, what God is going to do is give us a word as we move forward over the, the coming weeks and months. Uh, whistles blow and flags fly. Uh, penalties are assessed, 15 yards to be exact. Uh, players... Uh, they think this stuff out, and they use props and stuff like Sharpies and imaginary cameras and uh, teammates, and they choreograph their antics, and they do so in the National Football League after scoring a touchdown, and they get called for excessive celebration. And I think it's kind of crazy, but anyway, they do it anyway and, and uh, get penalized. And what we recognize that is that we are right in the middle of a season of celebration as our nation. Uh, we celebrate our collective freedom. Yesterday is designated as the day in our annual calendar where we stop just a moment and we gorge ourselves on unhealthy food. Thank you, Jesus. I cheated yesterday. Thank you, Lord. Bless it. Sanctify it. Pull all the fat out of it. It's too late. And as a nation, we become hopefully become conscious of the fact that we are free. But as I begin to think about yesterday and the coming season, this, this season that we're in of celebration, I recognize that as even as a nation, there have been times that like the NFL football player, we have celebrated excessively. In our history, it, I, I would say that we have celebrated excessively because while many were free, all were not free. Uh, while some celebrated freedom, others continue to remain chained. So let me, um, let me try to teach you some history. I asked Andrew if he knew this history. and I, did, you, did you tell me you knew it? I don't remember. He stumbled over it a little bit, so I'm going to help you with some history this morning. Here's your history lesson. We are all very much aware that, and the reason that we celebrate July 4th is because of the freedom that we found as a nation. But my question to Andrew and my question to you this morning is, I know you're aware of July the 4th, but do you have any awareness of what is called Juneteenth? And most of you do not. During the American Civil War, President Abraham Lincoln issued the Emancipa Emancipation Proclamation, check this out, on September the 22nd, 1862. It was supposed to have an effective date, please pay careful attention here, on January the 1st, 1863, he made the proclamation on September the 22nd, 1862. It was supposed to have an effective date of January the 1st, 1863. 1863. 1863. 1863. 1863. 1863. 1863. 1863. 1863. 1863. 1863. 1863. 1863. 1863. 1863. 1863. 1863. 1863. 1863. 1863. 1863. 1863. 1863. 1863. 1863. 
63. The Declaration of Freedom for every slave in all the Confederate states was made in 1863, but by 1865 there were an estimated 250,000 slaves living in Texas. News of the end of the war moved very slowly, and it did not reach Texas until May of 1865. And I'm trying my very best not to make any Texas jokes right here, but God help me uh, about moving slowly. But never mind, never mind. I might offend somebody like Aaron and, and, and Adam, and, you know, I'm an equal opportunity offender. So, but, but news of the end of the war moved slowly, and it didn't reach Texas until May of 1865. And the army of the Trans-Mississippi did not surrender until June the 2nd. And so uh, on June, this is, here comes the Juneteenth part. On June the 18th of 1865, a Union general by the name of Gordon Granger arrived at Galveston Island with 2,000 federal troops to occupy Texas on behalf of the federal government. And here it is, on June the 19th. Juneteenth is celebrated on June the 19th by African Americans all over our nation. On June the 19th, standing on the balcony of Galveston's Ashton Villa, Granger read aloud the contents of General Order Number 3 announcing the total emancipation of slaves. This is what he said. He said, the people of Texas are informed that in accordance with the proclamation from the executive of the United States, all slaves are free in 1865. Freed by a presidential order in 1862, people who were free continued to live as slaves for almost three years. Others celebrated freedom while 250,000 failed to experience the promised and the provided freedom that was made for them in 1862. They weren't even aware of it until 1865. Don't get ahead of me. Because 2,000 years ago, one greater than Abraham Lincoln stood up in a temple and he made a proclamation of freedom when he declared in Luke chapter 4 verse 18, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the captives free. The proclamation was made 2,000 years ago. And yet, for many of us, although we've experienced and celebrated this freedom, there are, there are many of us that, like slaves in Texas, there are scores who have yet to, to taste that kind of freedom. Like Texas, there are also authorities that don't want us to know about or even exercise our freedom. In fact, what happens is these authorities do their very best to keep the truth about our freedom away from us, and these authorities lie to us about bondage, and they convince us that we are bound when the truth is according to Jesus in Luke chapter 4, when we come into relationship with him, we're supposed to experience freedom. Paul exposes the truth that we're going to look at this morning, and we're going to use this as our basis as I get there uh, this morning in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12. He makes this statement. Please catch this statement. He says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Jesus apparently... Uh, was the forerunner and knew this information and he make there's there's occurrence that takes place in his life this this occurrence takes place in his life where somehow some way he understood this even his own disciples didn't seem to catch this Paul caught it later it's found, I'm not going to read it to you, you know the account, it's found in Mark chapter 9. It's the account of the, the time when a family brings their demon-possessed boy to the disciples and they say, please, we need your help. He needs to experience freedom. This, this demon's trying to kill him and we need you to, to produce freedom in him. And they try to cast the demon out and they fail. And they bring him to Jesus, and Jesus makes this statement. After he cast the demons out, the disciples want to know, why couldn't we cast him out? Now listen to what Jesus says. He said, these kind only come out by prayer and fasting. We always focus on the prayer and fasting so we can put, put guilt on you about not praying and fasting. And we miss the truth revealed in the first part, these kind. So if there's these kind, then apparently there are other kinds. 
Okay, so and uh, Paul must have understood what Jesus meant. The disciples didn't seem to catch it, but Paul seemed to understand when you read Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 that there are ranks and there is hierarchy in the kingdom of darkness. All right, y'all don't preach me down. Uh, levels, ranks that do their best to keep us from addressing and accessing our true freedom. And I just want to declare to you this morning that I think that what we need is we need to have a Juneteenth spiritually. We need to wake up and receive the truth that whom the sun sets free is free indeed. And, the, and no weapon formed against us shall prosper. We know to say those things, but too many of us have never really tasted the true freedom that is at our beck and call. The enemy fights to keep us bound. So I believe what he does is he assigns these ranks to stop us. I don't have time, nor the wisdom, nor the insight to even address all the ranks. I just don't understand it. But what I do understand is one part of it. I understand principalities. I think when I take an overall overarching view of this body, I think that what we need to address this morning is principalities. Principalities are assigned to a region or to an area and to certain people groups. That's the job of a principality. You can see this power. If you need an illustration, you can see it as a regional manager, if you will. Um, it is this power that causes, I believe, people to refuse to make this, or take the steps for climate change. This is climate change 2.0 is basically what we're dealing with this morning. It is this power that causes us to refuse to take the steps necessary to make climate change. It is the power that causes folks to repeat issues. It is this power that causes dysfunction to set up in a culture. It's what principalities do. And I just bring this to your attention because I need you to understand that we are part of a kingdom as well, the opposite kingdom. And as a part of a kingdom, I, I think some of y'all still think we're trying to establish a church here. We're not trying to establish a church. We're trying to establish his kingdom. We are to bring his kingdom. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We become living examples of his kingdom. This is not church. If you want church, there are plenty of them around. Go have at it. I'm not interested in another church. There are plenty of churches. There are very few groups of people, I believe, in our area that even understand what it's like to be a part of the kingdom. We are called to be a part of the kingdom. And as a part of the kingdom, our responsibility is to expose those who, have had, who are still in bondage to those principalities, those regional managers. So that we can expose those things and cause them to break through the power of that principality. Our job is to bring freedom that our king has promised to bear into every life that he commits to us. So rather than excessively celebrating freedom while others remain as slaves to the enemy, we've got to discover what principalities are assigned to us and to what uh, principalities are assigned to our people and to our region. Here's what I know. I'm just going to be straight with you this morning. This is one, one, my one chance in the next four and a half weeks. My, I just need to be straight with you. You're not doing as good as you look. You look good because God's good. But how you look doesn't reveal your level of bondage because there are people sitting in this room that come to this room week after week after week and they're sitting in this community and they see and they watch and they observe others around them celebrating freedom while they personally continue to wallow in bondage. Why does that happen? It's because we major in church and we fell in life. We know how to do church. And so... I would say that there are some of you that walk in here every week and, and while you watch other people celebrate freedom, the only sound that you hear when, you, when, when, when they're, they're celebrating their freedom in worship, the only sound you hear is chains. And while others sitting around you are literally hearing God, what you hear is you hear the enemy. And while some are, are uh, experiencing and, and hearing liberty, others come in here week after week and all they hear is limitation. 
And I'm convinced that too many of us in here, what we've done is we box Jesus up into just salvation when the truth is, is what he really wants to do. I just believe this this morning. Is he wants to save some saved folks. Because some of you saved, and we know where you're going in the next life. But in this life, you're not very saved because you're so bound, you have no freedom. It's quiet in here. I must be on it. I, I, I knew I was going to be on it. Jesus made this statement. He said, all authority is given to me. Is that right? Is that what Jesus said? Yeah. I, I, okay, I got one person, two people that understand. Jesus, didn't Jesus say, all authority is given to me? Right? Okay, so if Jesus has all the authority, how much authority does that leave for the enemy? A little bit? Is he equal with God? The devil's strong, man. He's got, that's what, that's how we act. It's like, I'm bound and, and the, what I'm bound with must be just, just too much stronger than God. Because God, right? And that's how we act. No, Jesus said, all authority is given unto me. There's no authority left for the devil. So if the devil has any authority all, at all, it's only the authority that we allow him to have and that we give. Okay, okay, all right, all right, all right, all right. We allow it. Why do folks still stay bound? It's because we allow it. Because we allow principalities to set up and it breeds dysfunction in the culture. Okay, I'm, while we sing freedom, there are men and women sitting right next to you right now that can't sing that and mean it because even though they've encountered Jesus as a Savior, they've never encountered Jesus as a liberator. And so for me, what I need to do before I leave and let y'all just kind of Focus on this over the coming months, and, and I'll talk more about the coming months here in just a moment. But what I need to do is I need to do my very best, and I think over in prayer and seeking God's face, I think that he's pointed out five principalities that as a body, I'm not talking about the church down the street. I'm not talking about the sinners outside these four walls. I'm talking about this group of people right here, and those that are gone today hopefully will listen to this and, and clue in because this is for us I'm just listen y'all know how it is you don't want nobody to talk about your family that's not a part of your family right you talk about my family you're not a part of my family we're going to go to war right but family can talk about family right and so I'm just going to talk about I'm part of this family we're just going to talk about this family five principalities let me see if I can identify them I think if we can identify them and pull the covers back then we can hit them, and we can deal with them. Number one, the first principality that I think that we are facing as a body in this community is poverty. Poverty is not a money issue. Poverty is a mentality issue. Anybody that's ever traveled anywhere outside the United States and run into the poorest people in the world who still had the joy of the Lord and are the happiest folks, even though they live in huts with no carpet, no air conditioner, very little food, and make in a year what you make in two hours. You recognize that poverty is not a money issue. It's a mentality issue. And what I've discovered is that I can find people that we would list as poor who don't have a, a poverty mentality. And I can find rich folks that have more than enough who literally are consumed by a poverty mentality. They're so consumed by a poverty mentality, they can be rich, and instead of trying to give a hand out, they're always looking for, instead of trying to give a hand up, they always have their hand out wanting more. It's a poverty mentality. A poverty mentality causes us to, to, to make repeated unwise choices with the resources that you do have. That's what poverty does. Poverty causes you to dismiss God out of the equation and you begin to try to take matters into your own hands. That reveals that you have a poverty mentality. This causes your mind and your heart to become distracted by lack. This fills your life with can'ts rather than cans. This causes you to allow what you can't do to keep you from doing what you can do. Poverty. Poverty. We, we have so wanted to avoid the extremism and the excessive teaching of the prosperity gospel, which I believe is a false gospel, that we have now thrown away the, the truth that is revealed in the New Testament, and that is this, God wants to bless his children. 
and we have so pushed that away and so distanced ourselves from that to try to not err on that side that we instead have swung the pendulum all the way to the other end and now we operate in a poverty mentality and so when a need is brought to the body we go well we can't do that there's no way this this side no there's no way too big in your personal life, God pushes on you and calls on you and asks you to make a sacrifice. I can't do that. God, you don't understand. Poverty. That's the first one. The second one is this, and I think these go in order. I didn't even, I didn't even put them in order uh, like this on purpose, and then when I went back and read my own notes, I recognized they're in order. This is how it works. Poverty mentality sets up, and the second one comes into place. Hopelessness. Hopelessness comes through a variety of channels. It comes through lack of finances. It comes through prolonged sickness. It comes through broken relationships. Hopelessness. And this is what happens. We think that the cause is the issue. So we attack the cause. The cause is lack of finances. The cause is, is sickness. The cause is broken relationship. So I'm just going to get a handle on that. And what we don't even understand is that what the principality is doing is it is just sending these things in waves. The cause is not the issue. It's the end result that he's trying to get to, which he's trying to destroy our hope. Okay. This principality wants us to get to the place where we will throw in the towel and give up our hope and we'll keep trying to, 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 to get out of certain issues, but we won't deal with the, the, the desire, which is to cause us to lose our hope. And so we throw in the towel, we sleep in the same bed, but we live separate lives, we wallow in pain, and we give up on, on the by his stripes promises that we have been given that we will be healed. We give up on all that and we quit and we wallow and the principality tries to beat hope out of us because he knows that without hope. And may I just pause and remind you where our hope comes from? Our hope is supposed to come from the Lord. Our hope doesn't come from our, our wealth. It doesn't come from our health. It doesn't come from perfect relationships. Our hope is established in our life by God. And this principality wants to cause us to become hopeless because he recognizes that if we become hopeless, we become weak. And I just need to remind you that when people give up hope, men do evil, stupid stuff when they have no hope. There are some of you, when you lose your hope, you will do things and think things and say things that you would have never done if you'd have had hope. Hopelessness. After hopelessness, I think the third principality that we're facing is apathy. The cares of life squeeze out room to rally to anything. Indifference sets in. There's no passion for people. There's no passion for praise. There's no passion for need. There's no passion for his word. There's no passion for Pentecost. There's no passion for anything. And I just need to remind you and expose this principality to you. We shouldn't be surprised that we're being attacked in this area because it strikes at the core of who we are. And if we can't live up to our name, this principality recognizes that we will never live up to our purpose. Never. That's why you can't afford to come in here week after week and go through the motions and go, well, I think I'll worship today or I'll, maybe not because I'm just kind of tired and I stayed out too late watching fireworks last night and, 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 I, and I was at the lake too long and, and I went shopping too, and I got kids and, and, and you just don't understand and I'm just, just going to go through the motions and I don't really care if it's a good message. I don't really care if it's a, a good worship service. I don't really care if anybody's life has changed. I don't really care if anybody gets saved. We can go weeks without anybody getting saved and I can barely get you to pray over the 10 that you've got on your own list. And there's just apathy. I don't really care if people go hungry. I just don't really care. I'm preaching this morning. We have become apathetic because our mind has become so consumed that there's no room left. It's all about me. It's got to do me. We have forgotten that there's a kingdom mandate on our life. And that kingdom mandate says this. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. It's the, it's the law of order. You've got to get it in the right order. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. That shows us and reveals to us the order that God expects us to operate in. But if we don't operate like that, there's no room for passion. 
because everything else squeezes life out of us. So we come in with this take-it-or-leave-it attitude. The importance of the rank drops off. And you say, well, Steve, you're just talking about church attendance. I, this has nothing. It has something to do, but it has nothing to do with church attendance. Your church attendance only, reve only reveals what's going on. Okay, I'm getting some hateful looks right now. But it stems from apathy. This, listen, your relationship with God should be the most important driving force of your life. And somewhere in that mix, and I'm going to talk about it here in a second, therefore then it leaves no room not to be together. Okay, okay I'm going to move on because apathy. Okay, apathy sets in, and then this is what takes place. The fourth principality is isolation. We become lone rangers. We become extremely easy to pick off. This causes you to attack those who are helping and run to those who are hurting. When you become isolated, you begin to search for what can only be found in the body, outside the body, and there are no meaningful relationships established in the body. And what happens, listen to me th this morning, what happens is this, you gain truth with no connection. I'm telling you, when you get here on Sundays, you get the truth. We tell you the truth. But if you're not connected in relationship, you have truth, but you have no connection. And the dilemma there is that what happens is you want to connect to God, but you don't want to connect to his people. And so that leads to people who know what to do, but they have no ability to do it because they have nobody to come along and support them as they try to do it. I'm preaching right now. Some of you would be further along in your spiritual walk, but every time you try to start, you fall flat on your face and you're not able to carry it out because you're on your own. That's why Proverbs chapter 18 verse 1 says this. Listen to this. A man who isolates himself seeks his own desires. He rages against all wise judgment. A man who isolates himself seeks his own desires and he rages against all wise judgment. Then Psalm 68, 6, listen to God's plan. God says, God sets the solitary in families. I'm tired of us treating church like a buffet. He sets us in families. He brings those out who are bound into prosperity. Our ability to, to fight out of a poverty mentality is directly linked to being placed in a fam family. God's desire is to move you from isolation to connection. It does not, it is not, and it has never been his desire to operate in the opposite direction. He's not trying to move you out of connection. In fact, I want you to hear me this morning. Your first step away from God is invariably a step away from his body. You find yourself disconnecting. That is a step away from God. Okay, y'all don't have to shout me down. I just have watched. Okay. I've said it before. I think it's worth saying again. Lone rangers become lone victims. The Bible declares that two are better than one. I pity the one who falls and has no one to help him up. Just because you attend on Sunday does not mean, mean that you are deeply connected enough that somebody can help you up when you fall. What are you doing to connect? What steps? I'm, well, I'm giving you two hours every Sunday morning, Pastor. You really think you can connect in two hours on Sunday morning? The only thing I can connect with you on Sunday morning in two hours is the back of your head. That's it. Connection does not take place in rows. It takes place in circles. And some of y'all are so isolated and so by yourself that when the enemy comes and strikes you, all we get is the terror report at the end, and, they, and then you go, well, nobody was there to help me. wonder why. You weren't connected. This is going over huge. 
Principality five is compartmentalism. I think these go in order. I won't debate you on it, but I think they do. Compartmentalism. Another name for this is to be double-minded. Which leads to a double life. It leads us to self-righteousness and a religious spirit. So that what takes place is we play church on Sunday, but what we do on Sunday has no bearing on the rest of our life. We come in here, and what we hear, we amen, and we shout it down, and it goes one ear, and it never comes out our feet. It never comes out our hands. It never comes out of our eyes. It never comes out of our attitude. We compartmentalize. This is what we do as Christians is we come together on Sunday, but what we do on Sunday literally has no bearing on who I date, has no bearing on who I marry, has no bearing on where I spend my money, has no bearing on what I choose for entertainment, has no bearing on what relationships I establish or or break off, has no bearing on the rest of my life. It's just church. The God stuff is for church, and I can deal with the rest of my life any way I want to. It is this principality that allows us to fall prey to works-based righteousness. You know you're saved by grace and grace alone, right? There's no way to earn your salvation. You are saved because of the grace and the mercy of God alone. But when you fall prey to the principality of compartmentalism, what you begin to do is you you embrace a works-based righteousness so that now what you think is, if I go to church on Sunday, that will allow me and I will gain so much righteousness by doing that, then on Monday through Saturday, I can do anything I want, and Sunday will outweigh what I do on the rest of the week. Okay. So I just want to tell you this morning that what I'm convinced of as a body, as a family, we're just talking family here, is I declare to you that what we need to do is we need to have an intellectual exorcism. The root word of principality is this, principle. The root word of principality is principle. I believe that what takes place is that we follow principles into bondage. Okay. I've told you in the past that if we are going to be free, we are going to come out head first. We got to change the way we think. What happens is, is, is this. I, I'm convinced that we are possessed by principles of old thinking that principalities have set up in our minds and we have believed lies for so long that we now look at a lie and we can't even recognize it as a lie and instead we will call it for a truth and not only will we call it a truth, we will defend it as a truth. So that when somebody comes alone like I'm doing this morning and exposes the lie, we don't even recognize that you're being told the truth. And in your own body, I can see it in some of you, it's already happening. You begin to resist and fight and say, that's not me. I, he's not talking about me. He's talking about them. I don't, have, I don't think that way. I, I don't care what he says. I found a verse in the scripture and I just took it out of context, but I found it. We begin to think it's truth. Principalities and lies like this. Principles and lies like this. I can't afford to give. I can't afford to tithe. I can trust God with my salvation, but I can't trust him with my savings. When we believe that lie, we ensure poverty. See the connection? We believe a lie, and it produces power, principality, I'm trying to help you. We take control of our own finances, and we dismiss God, and then we wonder why we struggle to make it. Well, it could be because you're living under a curse. Just, just, just an idea. I'm just throwing it out there. I'm just telling you what God said. But we believe the lie, and we set it up as truth, and then we don't deal with the principality. We believe a principle or a lie like this. It's always going to be like this. Things will never change. So then what we begin to do is we utter self-fulfilling prophecies like this. My marriage will never be any better than it is. Doesn't matter how many retreats I go to, how much counseling I get, it's never going to change. Hopelessness. I, I will never love my job. 
So I'm miserable all the time. My kids are never going to line up. I'm always going to be sick. And so we begin to believe that, and so we make choices that lead to our own destruction. So we self-medicate, and we avoid, and we drown out our sorrows, and we give up, and we quit trying, and hopelessness causes us to make excuses rather than making any changes that we are responsible to make to involve God. It's a, it's a principle. It's a lie. Principles like this. I'm going in order here. hope you make the connection. I'm too tired. I can't help. I can't serve. One person doesn't really make a difference. My gift is not needed. They got so many other people that can sing. They got so many other people that can play. They got so many other people that can serve on, on the kitchen. They've got so many other per people to, that can ush. They got so many people that can help with kids. They, they just, they don't need me. So I'm just going to sit here and sit on my gifts. And I'm going to waste my time. And we end up fighting for things that don't matter, and we get involved in things that don't bring any change at all kingdom-wise so that when we show up into the kingdom, not just at church, into the kingdom, we have nothing left. It's called apathy. I'm preaching. Y'all are going to want me to go on break. Principles and lies like this, I'm all by myself. Nobody cares. All they do is send me Facebook messages. That don't count. They didn't pick up the phone. They didn't text me. No one really knows my pain. No one really sees what I'm going through. So we walk away from assigned relationships because he sets us in family. Okay. Uh, we, sabotage, we sabotage divine allies. And we clam up and we wall off. We've refused. Listen, this is part of it right here. We refuse to do the hard work of establishing and sustaining relationships. So then... We become easily offended, and we don't follow the Word of God, which says, at, at your dead level best, be at peace with all men, and we, ec okay, all right, man, I'm going to want me to go on break, because y'all are hard to preach to this morning, because y'all ain't liking it, but I'm, I didn't expect you to, because the enemy never gives up territory easily. We isolate ourselves because we believe, we've allowed ourselves to believe a lie. They don't like me. They don't need me. They don't care about me. Does a hand need a finger? Does a face need a nose? I'm just, I'm just telling you scripture because that's how we are. We are connected. We believe lies like this. I can live like I want. The rules don't apply to me. So what we do is we begin this, this, uh, this compartmentalization principality, what it causes us to do, that religious spirit rises up in us, and we begin ranking or comparing ourselves to others that are what they're doing, and we judge ourselves against the standard of what they are doing rather than judging ourselves against the standard of the Word of God and holiness that He's called us to. So what we do is we sit on the side and we, we, go through, uh, we go through religious calisthenics and we compare ourselves. So now I compare myself to you by doing stuff like this. Well, I don't drink as much as he does. And I don't cheat as much as they do. And I don't watch the movies they watch, man. If I watch the movies, I'm sorry, but they're not your standard. And if the standard that God sets up in his word says this is the way it ought to be, it doesn't matter if you're not as bad off as I am. What matters is how you line up with the word and the standard that we've been called to. But we believe lies. And we refuse to apply the standards to every aspect and area of our life. Page 10. Thank God. I'm on an assignment this morning to expose and pull back the covers on these principalities so that we can allow Jesus to liberate us. 
can I help you? This is, I'm going to mess with some of your theology really bad right now. We can't shout our way out of bondage to a principality. I'm, I'm going to mess you up right now. We can't even pray our way out of a wrong principle. Because to fix a principle, you got to learn to think differently. Sounds like climate change to me. Romans chapter 1 or 12, verse 1 and 2, transferring, transforming and renewing of the, okay, the mind. Every time, this, this, we got to think differently, y'all. Let, let, let me help. I'm just going to get very, very, like I haven't been plain already. I'm going to get very plain. This is what's got to take place in the coming months. We got to think differently. Every time that we are about to repeat one of these cycles, those are the five. I may not have them all, but I know I got those five right. Every time that we're about to repeat one of those five cycles in our lives, individually, collectively, what we must do is we need to stop, and this sounds so cliche, but it's the truth. I, we've allowed the world to tell us this is cliche, so we've, we've missed the power of this statement. We got to stop and think, what would Jesus think? What would Jesus, how does Jesus think about finances? What does Jesus think about finances? We got to stop and make a choice on how we use the resources that he's given us not by the world standards. we got to stop long enough and say, what would Jesus, how does he think about finances? we got to stop and think and say to ourselves, about the time we're ready to throw in the towel and give up, and we got to stop because that's a principality. It's a principle set up in our life, and we always quit, right? Short of our miracle. And what how, we got to stop and ask ourselves this question, and we got to begin to do this. What does Jesus say about our hope? What does Jesus say about passion? What does Jesus say about being connected to the body? What does Jesus think about living a double life? In order to be truly free, we must stop thinking according to what these principalities have taught us and we must, we must back up long enough another cliche phrase that we've, we've glossed over and we must regain the mind of Christ the mind of Christ because the word teaches us that my thoughts are not as high as his thoughts. Therefore, if I want to live at a higher level, I can't shout my way there and I'm a, I can't pray my way there. I got to think differently. I'm not, I'm not diminishing the power of a shout. Y'all know that. I like to shout. I, I'm quiet. Well, some of the time, but I'm not usually in church. I like to shout. I like to praise and worship. I believe in the power of prayer. Please don't tweet and say, Pastor Steve said today there's no power in prayer. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying that there are principles that have been set up that establish culture and thinking in us that if we don't defeat those things, you can shout and still be in bondage, and you can pray and still be in bondage. Can I tell you that most of us would rather shout for freedom and pray for freedom because it's easier? It's easier to do that because we can do that on Sunday morning and then go home and expect. It is much more difficult to change the way we think. I just, I, I'm, this is where I'm at. I don't want us to continue to celebrate freedom while those around us are bound. So I want to challenge you to take this summer, the remaining weeks of this summer, there's four, six, eight weeks of summer left. I don't know what it is. It's, it's not much. And I want you to begin to identify the principles that you are living by. 
Are you with me? I, when you begin to make a financial decision, stop and say, what is the principle I'm operating under? When, when, you are, when you are feeling like giving up and you're facing a storm, a mountain, a season, stop and think, what principle am I operating by? When, 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 when you want to uh, not be attached and you want to disconnect and I don't want to be involved and I just want to stay at home and pull the covers up over my head and nobody cares anyway, stop. Stop long enough and think, what principle is dominating my life right now? Because some of y'all keep repeating that same action over and over again and you remain in bondage. When you... When you don't want to serve and you're tired. When the rules don't apply to you. I want to see over the coming weeks and months if we like Christ or whether we're Christ-like. The only way to become Christ-like is to think like Christ. In the coming months, we are going to address these things head on. In August, when I come back on the first Sunday, I'm going to start a series called Civil Wars. It's going to deal with relationships. How are you supposed to deal with relationships? We're Internally, there's some things going on behind the scenes that I can't even tell you about right now. On that first Sunday, I'm back in August. We're going to share some of that with you. We are making steps to not only address it verbally, but structurally so that we can help you defeat some of these principles and principalities that set, in your, set up in your life. In September, the second, uh, the, the first Sunday in September, uh, we're going to start a series called Body Functions. My wife hates that title, but it works. And we're going to address what isolates us. And we'll just move through the year and we're going to address this stuff. I need you over the coming weeks to be examining your own life and see if I'm not right. If I'm not, then this wasn't for you. Selah, blessings on you. So be it. Enjoy lunch. But I'm convinced that collectively we've got to deal with these five issues, these five principalities. If we're going to celebrate freedom, then we need to make sure that everybody here has tasted freedom so that together we are free. Will you stand with me this morning? Would you look at your neighbor and say to them, I want you to be free? Would you look at each other this morning and say, we got to change the way we think? This is how I want us to end this morning. Because I'm concerned that we've become so isolated that many of us celebrate our own freedom and we never stop long enough to recognize that the people that we're connected to are not free. And I don't want that to happen. So I'm happy you're free this morning. But I'm not happy about the fact that there's two or three people sitting next to you that are not. And it's our responsibility as connected brothers and sisters. Maybe we need to do, start that back around here. Hey, Brother Tari. Hey, Sister Heather. 
we did that when I was growing up. We called everybody brother and sister. We quit that because we thought it sounded goofy, but maybe it was correct. I understand it's cumbersome, and I'm not, I'm not saying we're going to do that. I'm just saying maybe we ought to because it reminds us on a daily basis we are connected. We are family. You got brothers and sisters in the room that while you sing and worship, they're struggling in bondage. And so this is how I want us to address this this morning. Would you grab the hand of somebody next to you and would you bring them to the front so that everybody comes to the front? We're going to pray collectively this morning together. It's funny, I, I even, this is, I know I'm right, because I can, well, nobody asked me for my hand. I had to grab somebody's hand, and they didn't, they didn't, they never want to talk, they don't want to sit, principality. I want us to break. Well, you said we couldn't pray our way. I understand, but we're going to pray. I want us to break. We're going to start it with prayer, but then we got to finish it by changing our mindset. I want us to break poverty. So that anytime the Lord presents us a task, an opportunity, an outreach, a ministry, we don't go, oh. I don't think we can do that, man. We only got like 250 people. We can't do that. That's too big for us. You're going to need $40,000 to start how in the world. We can't. I want us to break poverty. I want us to break hopelessness. There are some folks in this body that are absolutely hopeless. They've been battling for so long that they've begun to believe the lie that nothing's ever going to change. Some of y'all know who some of those folks are. I, I know who some of them are, but there are some folks that fake it so well when they get here on Sunday that I don't even know. They walked in and they were hopeless, had no clue because they know when they're... And we have, but some of you know, and you need to help them and remind them on a daily basis. Hang on. It's coming. Hope. Keep your hope. Don't give up. Our hope is in the Lord. If it was in my health, then I would tell you to give up because it doesn't look good. If, if it was in our finances, I'd take, hey, give up. Doesn't look good. I, if, if it was in our, in, in our, no, our hope is in him. We need to remind each other that sometimes. Some of you have an assignment to remind certain people in our body that they can keep hope. I want us to break isolationism. You're not on your own. You are connected. You need to understand, if somebody standing next to you is not here next week, it won't be the same. We will never get it like this again. We are connected. There are people in our body that have disconnected. Some of them disconnect physically. They don't show up and nobody checks on them. There are people that come here every week and they're disconnected. They feel all alone. We got to fix that. We're going to fix that. We got to we got to break apathy. Your gift matters. Some of you have bought the lie that your gift does not matter and you've sat on it for so long that you don't even know if you have any gifts. When God handed out the gifts, I wasn't in the line. I hate Miss Julie cuz he gave her so many gifts. She took my gifts. I hate Come on. You got gifts? They're just rusty. Some of you are misinformed about your gifts because you think you got gifts you don't have. And then when we man up and tell you that it's not your gift, isolation kicks in, kicks in, and you leave. And you go to the next body and try to connect, and you tell them what their gift is. They go, "Ooh, that ain't his gift, man. That ain't her gift." And you get mad. Our responsibility is to try to help you find your gift. We will give you that opportunity. I promise. Come and whatever you want to try, within reason, we will let you try. Unless it's so obvious from the very beginning. 
Like my dad, if he says, I, I know I have a gift to sing, I'm going to look at my dad and I'm going to say, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. But he's got gifts. And then we got to break the spirit of compartmentalism. I'm tired of preaching my guts out to people that amen me and then they don't have the ability to apply it to their own life. They apply it to everybody else in the room. Boy, I hope they heard that. And then you go out and you live any way you want to. What you sow, you reap. And sin comes home to roost. And then you want to... we got to get this right. Father, in Jesus' name, as a body, as family, I ask you to give us the strength and the determination to do more than just shout about our bondage and pray about our bondage. I pray that instead this morning a new mindset would come over us and we recognize that in order for us to defend ourselves and not just defend ourselves, to defeat the enemy, to defeat principalities, we have to break principles. And so, Father, I pray that you would expose lies as lies. I pray that we would no longer call a lie truth. And Father, I pray for some of us, we have so ingrained ourselves in that lie that we continue to repeat cycles for decades. I'm asking you in the name of Jesus that light, the light would come on and that truth would expose that lie for what it is. And we would take on, it's hard work, but we would take on, we would, we would establish, we would work at establishing the mind of Christ. Help us to think like you, Jesus. Help us to think like you about our resources. Help us to think like you about our hope. Let us think like you about our relationships and our connectedness. Let us think like you about our passion. Let us think like you about the standards that you've called us to. God, please help us, help us, help me to change my mind. Because if I can change my mind, I can change my life. I'm asking you, I'm asking you to let a holy pause come into our lives this summer. And in every situation, in every decision, in every moment, I pray that instead of just doing what we've always done, a pause would come over us and we would literally stop and think, what does Jesus think? And I pray that we would take on your thoughts. Because if your thoughts are higher than ours, like you say they are, when we take on your thoughts, we will be elevated to a new level of life. And so, Father, I take authority in the name of Jesus over every power, every principality, every ruler of darkness. And I declare that there is no weapon that's formed against us that can prosper. I declare that we are more than overcomers and we are able, we are well able to defeat old ways of thinking. I ask you to do this in Jesus' name. John, would you sing this as a declaration over us this morning? Listen to the words of this song.
So, Father, I pray that right now, as children of God, we would begin to think like children of God. I pray that over the next two to three months, we would literally see an intellectual exorcism take place. And that principles that have been set up in our lives by principalities would be broken once and for all. And we wouldn't come in here and celebrate freedom while those sitting around us are still in bondage. But collectively, as a body, as a family, we would be free and free indeed. Liberty would come and set up and rule and reign in this body. And together, we'll be free. And now, Father, I pray your blessings on your people. And God, I pray that they would recognize that they are highly favored and that they're highly loved, not just by you, 
but by us. We love one another. We depend on one another. We count on one another. I pray that we would live up to that for your glory and for your namesake and so that your kingdom can be established here on earth as it is in heaven. I ask you to do this in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week, Pastor Stacy preached this. He Remember, he asked you, he said, uh, come out, come out, come out. Before you go back to your seats, I want you to find at least two people. I want you to, and this is going to be odd, but we're connected, so we're family. We, you know, family members do weird stuff. I, I just want you to touch them on the head. Don't hit them hard. We're not knocking each other down. Uh, I've seen that happen too. We ain't about that. Just touch them on the head and say, change the way you're thinking. You can come out. Come on, tell them. Change the way you're thinking. You can come out. You can find your way back to your seat real quick. Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress.